Welcome, Wildcat fans, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man who once rode Colossus four times in a row and absolutely hates roller coasters, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who is a four-time Family Settlers of Catan champion, Dustin Chapman. Gets real heated, man. You do not want to be there when I lose the Settlers of Catan battle. Mm. Next, we have a man who once slept through four straight films in the theater, in a row, Sean Lewis. I hate to say it, but I'm old and I can't stay awake. It can be the biggest explosion comic book movie ever. I cannot stay awake. The second act I miss every time. That's a dad flex right there. And finally, we have a man who was once the four-time neighborhood free throw champion, AC. 80% is good enough to run it back three times after you get that initial title. One, two, three, four. That's right. <laughs> Count them. All right. On today's show, we got a football interview for you folks. We're going to be chatting with sophomore left tackle Noah Tagi, uh, talking a little bit about the play of the O line this season, and uh, of course, we'll have to bring up that uh, that great uh, hook and ladder play in the NAU game. So, talk a little bit about that. We'll also be giving our football end of season awards. We'll be talking to our panel a little bit about what they think. We've got a number of categories available, and they'll be sharing their thoughts. And finally, we have a segment called Color Rush. We're going to be talking about the best Wildcat uniforms this season. Had a little poll on Instagram this week, and uh, we thought that we would share some of those thoughts with Wildcat fans. But first, before we get into the show, we want to encourage you to subscribe, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, please feel free to subscribe to the show. So as soon as there's a new episode, we have game day episodes, which for now we're moving into the playoffs. You'll, you'll get those in your feed if you subscribe. So please do that. Also, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weaver State Weekly team, especially on game day. And we've got some big ones coming up this week. And finally, we've got a Patreon. Go ahead and check out patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Uh, if you uh, want to support the work that we're doing at Weber State Weekly and uh, help us to continue to grow what we got going here, please check out our Patreon. We also have a Slack channel for game day chat, and uh, that's a good time. So check out that opportunity if you're interested. Patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. All right, now, Wildcat fans, we are really excited. The season has wrapped up. The regular season, that is, has wrapped up last weekend with the win over Idaho State. And so we wanted to talk with a key member of the Wildcat football team, especially that offensive line. They're doing a great job of protecting the quarterback this year and making sure that, you know, doing the best to keep the stability. So we have with the sophomore left tackle, Noah Tagi, local product from uh, right here in Weber County. Noah, thanks for coming on Weber State Weekly to chat with us a bit. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you as well, man. And like you said, like I said, uh, local product right here from uh, Weber County. Played your high school football at Bonneville High School. And so, Noah, kind of my first question is, you know, you signed in 2016, your letter of intent, and then you went on a two-year LDS mission. Um, but when you were growing up, I mean, did you did you grow up a Weber State fan? You noted, you know, before we came on here that your father had played at Weber State. And so talk to us a little bit about, you know, were, were you kind of a fan before and then just kind of found your way up to Weber State because you were on the coach's radar or just sort of something new to you? So um, my, my dad always raised me and my brothers as just huge Weber State fans. It was just easy for him to bring us up on Saturdays to come watch the games and everything like that. I remember going to the games during, like, homecoming week just to watch the fireworks after the game and everything like that and actually there, there was a time i think it was in in 2008 when uh we were stayed we, we were state played montana at montana and uh 
my dad and a couple of our family friends, we all drove up there to watch the game and everything like that. So I, I've always been a Weaver State fan. Yeah, it was a game where they won, in fact. They won in Missoula that year. So I guess you're a good luck charm. But uh, so, yeah, like you said, grew up as a fan. And so uh, talk to us a little bit about getting recruited then, you know, as as a kid growing up watching the Wildcats play up at Stewart Stadium. And now all of a sudden you got Coach Jay Hill sitting in your front room saying, hey, what do you think about becoming a Wildcat yourself and putting on the pads? What was that like? Uh, you know, it was, it, it was, it was really cool. Actually, it was really awesome. And, um, coach Hill, he actually recruited me a lot out of high school because, um, I went to high school with his oldest daughter, Ashton. And so he came to a lot of my games because she was, uh, on the dance team. So it was just kind of easy for him to be at those games and everything like that. So it was really cool to just have that opportunity to always be around coach Hill. And then when I came on my visit here to just, I mean, in Ogden, I already knew everything, and I was really comfortable with everything like that. And I, I don't know, every, everything just seemed bright with uh, with Coach Hill. He just seemed like the, the coach I needed to be with. And most of all, uh, Coach Myers. Coach Myers just seemed like a, an amazing offensive line coach. Every time we talked, to, like we talked to each other, every time he came to some of my games my senior year, it was just, I don't know, it, it just felt like he knew more than – than anyone I'd, I'd, I'd ever talked to about the O-line position. So. Yeah, we heard a lot about Coach Myers from uh, Joe Hawkins, former All-American, who uh, you know came on the show a few weeks ago, had high praise for Coach Myers as well. So yeah, the, the hits keep on coming for uh, for the great work that he does up there. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's an amazing coach, an amazing coach. I know back when I was in high school, you know, going to Weber State was kind of a little bit of an afterthought. Uh, you being a little bit younger, has the perception changed locally with the local schools around here? Are the kids wanting to go to Weber State more? Or are they still thinking, hey, maybe BYU, Utah? I mean, is Weber State still feel like an afterthought to a lot of local kids? Not, I, you know, I, I don't really know to, how to answer that question because for me, it, it's hard to get into college to play football as it is. And so, if anything, I was just grateful to be able to just have that opportunity to to go to Weaver State or just to have someone look at me like Weaver State and everything like that. And if kids are looking to walk on or, or whatever, it's just, I, I mean, Weaver State, we have a winning program. You know what I mean? We win and we win championships. And so I don't, I don't think there's anything different. Obviously, being in the Pac-12 or at the FBS level like BYU or Utah State and everything like that, it's, it's, that's a bigger hype and everything like that. But I don't think Weaver State is anything far from – those other schools i've got that feeling from a lot of people you know that, that that it doesn't feel like it's any less i mean and watching the football every week it doesn't feel like less to me either it feels like we're watching a very quality program it doesn't seem like the, anybody should be ashamed to be here in any way shape or form yeah I, i'm not ashamed at all for choosing we were state or anything like that no, I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, the first off, I want to talk about uh, traditionally offensive lines are quiet guys. They just they're in the trenches. They do the dirty work. Um, how excited are you? And how how good does it make you feel for the the job that you've done, having three different running running backs behind two different quarterbacks played this year? Um, the the different changes that you've had in your backfield and you've protected that and been successful for all that. How does that make you guys on the offensive line feel? To the even though you don't get the recognition when the offense has has success like that? I don't, I don't know about not getting the recognition because I, I just feel like all of our running backs is, and quarterbacks, they all, they all do a good job of giving us the recognition we need. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean I love all my teammates to death. I mean, I love blocking for Bronson, Randall, whoever it is. 
you know, Josh Davis, Dante, Daniel Wright, anybody. I'll, I'll block for anybody. And I mean, it's a it's a pretty satisfying satisfying feeling when you see the ball in the air and T Mac just goes and grabs it. So yeah, it feels oh, that's good fantastic. Hey, and then I want to I want to talk to you about the, one of the highlights of the season for me uh, was a uh, a touchdown that uh, you scored. Um, usually, we don't see the offensive linemen get get in on the hook and laterals. So, uh, can you run us through the preparation for that play and and what was what was it like for you to execute that and 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 to score six in Stewart Stadium? Um, so, I, I actually got to take you guys back to this past fall in twenty twenty. Um, when we had kind of like our spring ball practices in the fall, um, there was one afternoon that me and one of our GAs, uh, Zach Larson, we were just talking about it. And then I walked into Coach Hammer's office while he was watching film, and I, I drew up on the board that play um, that Zach kind of came up with. And I said, let's run it in a scrimmage this week. Let's, let's do it. Or let's, let's do it in a scrimmage. Let's get the defense. And so one of our scrimmages on a Saturday, we ran that play and uh, – it was just kind of a, a, a one-up on the defense and everything like that in that scrimmage. And so I, I had been bugging Coach Hammer about it just to run it and run it and run it. And I told him I was I'm one for one. Like, it works. The play works and everything like that. And so when, when he uh, – it was actually pretty funny when he, he told me that against NAU, like, the look was there in that formation and everything like that. And so I said, let's – I mean, I, I'm ready when you are. So when we actually got to that point of the – on the left hash, on like the, I think we're on like the four or five yard line or whatever, or whatever. And um, I think I told Randall in the huddle that, hey, wh- whatever the play call is, let's just run, let's just run that play. We and we actually called it Laker, so um, just, that's the mascot of my high school. We, we Coach Hammer yeah. named it Laker, so I said, what, whatever the play call is, let's just let's run Laker. And um, we got to the line, or he got to the huddle. He he opened the wristband. And he just said. Uh, Right when he opened the wristband and read the play, he said, oh, shoot. All right, 26-4 Laker. And and I, I, I was just kind of stunned for a second. I was like, for real? And and then we ran it. And, you know, I was just, I, it, was, it was pretty funny just how it all ended up and everything like that. It just worked perfectly. And I, I was nothing but smiles after that play. So how much of you are, are you of a hero in your family for scoring that touchdown? I mean, pretty big. It, uh, it was pretty crazy. I had a lot of family there at that game. and. I know I could. They have like this special tier, so they, they, uh, they were going crazy, and I could hear it for sure. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing. That's a great story. So, no, I'm curious to know your take on this because y'all experience the game down on the field, right? Which is a completely different perspective than anything that we have. But y'all also watch a ton of Weber State football, right? You, you watch a ton of film and see how you can improve and everything. So, I'm curious to know your perspective on how the uh, how has the offensive line performed this year how do you, how do you feel like y'all have done yeah I, I think i think there's always room for improvement and always things that anyone has to do better I, in any position but I, I i always feel very very confident in our o line and very confident that we're playing our best and that we're doing everything we can because i mean we have one of the best if not the best one of like the one of the best guards in the whole nation right now, Ty Whitworth, who's been there four years and he's been an all American three times or whatever. And uh, we got Ben boss. He's also been here four years. And then to be able to have Hiram, who's had tons of experience, 
And also new guys showing up, like Trevor Szilagyi and, and George Barrera, who have stepped up and been able to play when guys are hurt. And then, and honestly, there's just no better feeling than me playing next to my brother. I, I, I just, I, I'm really confident in him and myself. And then being able to hold down the left side as Hiram's out right now. And then I know Ty and George will handle everything on the right. And, and Benny's always solid in the center. So I've always thought that with Coach Myers coaching us, um, there's not a lot that can go wrong. So, so Noah, uh, you, you before we came on, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, recruiting your brother to come and play next to you at Weber State. Um, we wondered if you'd maybe tell us a little bit about that story because uh, it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, and like you noted, you know, you and your brother grew up Weber State fans, and uh, there was an opportunity for your brother to come and play at Weber State. So, talk talk to us a little bit about that and how that progression happened, and then you know, eventually your brother playing right alongside you. So um, during the summertime, during all the quarantine and everything like that, um, our uh, our left guard at the time, Cole McGinnis, he got a he got a great, phenomenal job offer to, to work at this hospital up in Idaho. And he, he took it, and it was just a great opportunity for him to end his football career and just move on with life for him and his wife. And, it, like, I, I'm really happy for him. And so me, me and Coach uh, – Coach Hammer were talking, and um, he called me up actually during the summer, and he said, you don't know, what are the chances of if I told you we had a spot for your brother and you told him about it, what were the chances that he'd enter the portal and, and come here? And I, and I just said, I said, Coach, let me hang up the phone and give me 10 minutes, and I'll call you back. And so I hung up the phone, I called my brother, and I said, all right, dude, so we, there's a spot. We have a scholarship. Like, we're ready for you to come here to Weaver State. And – I mean, come on, man, come play and come come play with your brother. And so he he was in he was in a tough position because BYU obviously had a phenomenal year this past year, and he was also walk on, but he he was doing great. He he was a number two guy at BYU, and he was just moving right along everything. And then you know he just after a few days and of me probably being pretty annoying about about it and. I probably called every person I knew who had an influence on him to tell him to come here. And he ended up coming and it was just ever since then we haven't looked back. And I mean, now we're winning championships together. So it's, it's something that we were happy about. And obviously my, my parents are really happy because they don't have to split time between games or anything like that on Saturday. So it all works out there. Yeah, hey, Noah, I got, I got one more question for you before Kobe cuts us off and Dan, producer Dan cuts us off. And we're going to have a fight about this later amongst the panel. So I just want to, I want to get your input on this. What was your favorite uniform that you wore this year? And why was it the purple top, the white pants and the go W lid? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I, I have two favorites. Um, I, I love the all black look, the all black look. I, it's, it's a sleek thing. And I don't know if it's an alignment thing, but I just think we all look better in black. And, and Coach Myers, he's a big fan of uh, black uniforms, too. So I think he has an influence on that. But for me, not, nothing beats the, the purple, white, and the flying W. I, I love the flying W. I love everything it represents. And just it, it means a lot to, to a lot of us on the team. So thank you for agreeing with me and all the rest of y'all. That, that's the only take that matters right now. <laughs> we all love the flying W as well. All right. So, so Noah. Uh, Coach Hill has mentioned this a, a couple times in the past, but you know sometimes they talk about their time at Utah and how uh, you know 2009 they were the offense was never going to go against a better defense than what they were facing on their own team, right? And he's kind of referenced that to Weber State. 
I, I feel like just watching the field that the, the practices must be similar to that where you're, you're not going to see a better defense <laughs> defensive line than what you're playing against every day in practice. What, what are those battles like on the field day to day in practice? Uh, we, we, we get after it. You know, it, it's just every day at the end of practice, we do a two minute drill and where the offense either has to score a touchdown or get a field goal. And, and we, we get after each other for sure. Uh, coaches, coaches get after coaches and players get after players. And it's, it's a whole on full on game right there. Um, even in like in any, any, in any kind of drill, I, I feel like the intensity of practice going against each other, it's, it's insane because I feel like we have just an, a massive amount of talent in the offensive D, offensive D line, the linebackers to running backs, DBs to wide receivers, quarterbacks to safeties. It's just, it's crazy going against each other every week. And obviously we, we really make each other better. You know, I mean, trying to get a second, uh, second level block on Connor Mortensen isn't the easiest thing for a left tackle like myself. So. No, I, I got one more question for you. So looking at this year's captains and you are the youngest captain as far as eligibility. Anyway, you're only a sophomore and everybody else is a junior or higher. So walk us through that process. What is it like being named a captain? How does the team select captains? What's that? What's all that like? Uh, so usually uh, we just have a team meeting and coach Hill passes out a paper with everybody's names on it. And, he tells me how many you get to vote for, and um, and it's it's voting for not only captains but also leadership committee. And uh, I, I didn't think I, I mean I was on a leadership committee my freshman year and everything like that, but I, I didn't think I was going to be a captain. Um, but when it happened, you know, I just, I, I was grateful. Um, I was really excited, and you know, I I just I feel just really blessed to be able to to lead and be led by other great captains and everything like that. And just to be part of a, just a great situation right now with our team, how, how it's going the way it is, you know, being undefeated right now. And um, it's just, I don't know, being, being a captain, it's, it's a big responsibility, but it's, it's awesome at the same time because you get to be a part of everything. So. That's incredible, man. And like, like AC said, uh, quite an honor for you as a sophomore to have that opportunity, guys seeing talent in you, and no doubt you'll continue in that leadership position in, in the coming years and your el eligibility. So, Noah Tagi, thanks so much for chatting with us. We'll be watching, of course, not this Sunday, but uh, actually it is this Sunday now, right? Now that we're past Selection Sunday will be this Sunday. We'll find out yeah. how the bracket's going to look. And uh, whether or not Weaver State's going to have the opportunity to host another home playoff game. We, we've gotten a little bit spoiled in the past few years. We keep having those and so hoping to have one. Uh, but, Noah, we'll be watching. And, we'll, and of course, if there's a, a home playoff game, you know that we're all going to be there. So appreciate you for taking some time and chatting with us tonight on Weaver State Weekly. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, Wildcat fans, this episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. All right, we want to thank Noah Tagi for taking a little bit of time to chat with us here tonight about the play of the offensive line. And as we look forward to the playoffs, we wish him the best of luck. Now we're going to be moving into our football end-of-season awards. We have our panel with us, and we have a number of categories, and we're going to be getting their takes on well, who they think uh, were some of these 
uh, who they think the best player was in some of these categories. And so, Sean Lewis, we are going to start with you, and we're going to get right out the gate. We're going to go straight to the top. We're going to talk team MVP. So, Sean Lewis, share with us, who do you think was the team MVP this season? A, a lot of uh, candidates for this award, and, and I'm going with Rashid Shahid for two reasons. One, he features on both the offense and special teams. Um, he had a 29.44 yards per return with one touchdown uh, in the kicking game. He had 18 catches for 295 yards. I think my notes have three touches on the uh, on the offensive side. So getting it uh, both for uh, – uh, offense and special teams. He's my team MVP uh, for the Wildcats this this season. Nice, a solid choice. You know, we've had uh, Rashid on the show a couple of times. Always has a great impact. The most dangerous man to kick the ball to in really the country, I think. Uh, I was sitting at the game last week. Uh, we were sitting behind the Idaho State cheer squad, and um, I had to yell out a couple of times, "Kick to the man, you cowards!" They wouldn't do it. Uh, next, let's go to and, you. And we wish we wish officials knew what a what a fair catch signal was. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, all right, Dustin Chapman, let's let's go to you. Team MVP this season, who do you got? Yeah, my overall team MVP uh, is Connor Mortensen. Uh, Connor has been all over the field the entire season. Uh, he not only that, I mean, he leads the team in tackles. Uh, he he leads the team in a new stat that I'm calling uh, quarterbacks knocked out of games. Uh, so, I mean, for that, he, he absolutely gets the, the team MVP. But not only that, he's just a, he's a great human being and loved having him on our show that you could, you could see that he was such a soft-spoken and, and thoughtful individual. But when he gets out on the field, the motor is absolutely there 100%. Uh, so my team MVP, MVP is Mortensen. Yeah, definitely. We had... Um... We had a he had a really big play in that last game with a big hit on Tyler Vanderwall. Um, Vanderwall ended up actually having to come out of the game, but like you said, uh, just an absolute, just a stud out there on the field. Next, let's go to AC. Um, AC, let's talk about you, man. Uh, what, who do you think the team MVP is for this season? To me, there was one clear team MVP, and that would be Connor, the captain, Mortensen. Fantastic season from Connor. Won Big Sky Defensive Player of the Week twice in a short season. So, I mean, there were five games that Weber State played in, and he won a Conference Defensive Player of the Week twice, has now led the team in tackles two consecutive seasons. In addition to that, I mean, those are all the tangibles. He brings the intangibles. He was voted as a captain by his teammates. So, dude is a total stud. He has an incredible story going from walk-on to captain. I just, honestly, it's so hard not to cheer for Connor Mortensen. And then, I mean, you see all the stuff he does on the field, how important he is to this defense, this conference-leading defense. And to me, it was very clear. Connor, the captain Mortensen, was this MVP, this year's MVP. Definitely. I was thinking of Connor this weekend as our family took a drive through the desert over to Las Vegas. You know, ended up cruising past some exits, past Moapa Valley, where Connor is from, and uh, definitely had that in the back of my mind. This is his old stomping ground. So good choice on your part, AC. Now, fellas, we're going to move on to a new category. This one's going to be called Newcomer of the Year. So, Sean, we're going to take it back to you, man. Uh, who is your Newcomer of the Year for this Wildcat squad? Freshman quarterback Bronson Barron is my newcomer of the year. Did not expect him to get the start in game one and did nothing but uh, impress uh, in his poise and his quality of play all season long. Uh, was a little bit uh, nervous for him when he got hurt and, and missed a game. Uh, but I 
played above his his age and weight class coming in as a true freshman. So Bronson Barron, my newcomer. Mm, definitely. Like I said, Bronson's been nursing an injury the past couple of weeks, but has continued to be very effective in the pocket, making smart decisions with the ball. Uh, Chappie, what about you? Uh, your newcomer of the year for this Wildcat squad? Yeah, I'm going with Dante McMillan. And I, of course, I know that he's a redshirt freshman. He was with the team last year, but he really came onto the scene this year uh, when, you know, especially filling in uh, the last two weeks when Josh Davis went down. Uh, you know, I, in my opinion, he won the game against SUU. He he really put the screws to them and 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 was lights out. Uh, and then this last week, same thing. He is what I like about him is just how exciting his moves are. He 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 doesn't go down easily, uh, but but he spins and does everything you want a running back to do. Uh, the kid has a really exciting future here at Weber State. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I think that, you know, Dante McMillan coming in in the second half of the SUU game was really the difference in that one. Came in and just immediately just started stacking up yards, stacking up yards. So good choice on your part, I think, Chappie. But uh, AC, what about you? Who's your newcomer of the year for this Wildcat squad? Well, I'm a broken record. I'm taking Dante McMillan. <laughs> and I, I know that we took a little bit of, a, of, of liberty in that because he was with the team last season. This kid is super talented. He's just incredible when he's got the ball in his hands. We've seen him do it out of the backfield. We've seen him catch the ball out of the backfield as well. And, I mean, he's spinning away from guys. He's using his speed to get away from guys. He's breaking tackles. He does it all. And in an offense that's it relies on the run game so much, having someone that's in the depth chart, you know, that, that you can go to, that you can rely on to get you those yards, to get you first downs and do it in a multitude of ways is just, it's so valuable to this team. And so Dante McMillan, incredible season from him, amazing stuff against SUU. That was, I mean, that was his most impressive game, but he was just fantastic throughout the entire season. Dante McMillan, newcomer of the year. Yeah, definitely a good one. Had Dante on the show last week. Uh, great kid uh, showed his quality, you know, his character in that interview and can't wait to see more from him because he's continuing to just have, uh, take advantage of the opportunities giving to him coming out of the backfield. Now, guys, I want to go to, uh, we're going to pull out of individual awards, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, moments of the year throughout this shortened season. So, Sean Lewis, back to you. Uh, what is your moment of the year? The easy answer is the helm alone, but I'm, I'm going off that one. I'm going to save that one for somebody else. Uh, my moment of the year, we talked about it with Noah Tagi earlier in the show. It was the Noah Tagi big guy hook and lateral, uh, big guy TD, uh, against Northern Arizona. That was great. His story about how that play came to be and playing it was just made it even better for me tonight. Uh, totally uh, love that uh, from him. So Noah Tagi uh, gets my moment of the year for the big guy, Tuddy. Okay. Now let's go to you, Chappie. What is your moment of the year in the shortened season? Yeah, Sean hit on it, but it's, it's, it's the Hail Mary to end the NAU game to Justin Malone. Uh, the, the whole context around that was amazing. I mean, I wrote a whole article about it, actually, a whole opinion piece on, on how much that meant as a whole to, to Weber State. I mean, a loss in that game would have hurt us, knowing that now we won the Idaho State game and claimed our fourth straight uh, conference title and our first outright conference title. That moment is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger over time. But it is you know, as I like to describe those landmark moments, that there's not a fan in the stadium that day that isn't going to remember that, that isn't going to be back and become more of a Weaver State fan 
regardless of where they are on the, the fan spectrum uh, because of that moment. So, you know, having an all-time moment, an all-time, what do you call it, top 10, whatever you want to call it, having an all-time program moment uh, in this season 100% deserves my play of the year. Okay. Definitely a huge moment. Um, and I think for those that Stewart Stadium that day didn't think it was going to happen, and then it did. <laughs> it's wild. AC, what about you? What's your moment of the year? My moment of the year came on the final defensive drive of the season against Idaho State, a big Sky Conference championship on the line. Everything's coming down to this final drive. Will Weber State make history? Will they make school history and conference history? All coming down to this final drive. When uh, when uh, uh, Vanderwall from Idaho State drops back, and it, it feels like they finally started moving the ball. They scored a touchdown on their previous drive. This time he lets it fly, and Mark Collins, number two, is there ready to intercept that pass and seal things up. The first outright conference championship in Weber State history. The second time in Big Sky history that a team has won four consecutive conference championships, and that pick is the thing that sealed it all up. And that, When I look back on this season, that's why I'm going to remember is Mark Collins getting a big pick when it mattered most. And I know we're not supposed to say this. I'm probably you know be in favor of it, but – I was kind of a fan of the uh, the photo finish in the end zone by the defense. The it was it was worth the fifteen yard penalty. If I say so myself, I'm sure the coaches wouldn't agree. I, with I take us. that fifteen yards every time. Yeah, I was I was like that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Them throwing the flag was a little annoying. Like really, that's what we're doing. Like they just won a conference championship. You're going to throw the flag? Yeah, yeah they had to. <laughs> Whatever. All right, guys, uh, now we're going to move on to – we're going to expand out a little bit here and not just big best moment of the year, but best game of the year. So Sean Lewis uh, of the shortened season, not not too many, only five games this season, but uh, what's the best game of the year in your eyes? It, it broke my heart uh, for two quarters, um, but uh, the NAU game, uh, the Helm Malone, uh, the finish, as Chappie said, that's something I'm going to remember. It's it's the Scott Bam 4-3 against Northern Colorado. It's the night the lights went out in overtime in Stewart Stadium. Um, all those things that make that memorable, the Hell Malone is going to be one of those memorable moments forever. That was the game of the year. Uh, definitely, a, definitely a stunner, because I think if you were in the stadium that day, like I said, uh, just absolutely stunned that the Wildcats would go down with such a short period of time left. I think it was only like 40 seconds or something like that, wasn't it? 17 uh, seconds 17 left seconds. on the clock when NAU scored that touchdown. Yeah. And I can tell you that there were a lot of fans on my side of the stadium that were already headed to the exits and missed the Hail Malone because they didn't stay for the last two points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, Dustin Chapman, best game of the year in your eyes. Yeah, the game of the year for me was UC Davis. Uh, it was it, it, it was a close game, one, uh, but it was two really well-coached teams. You know, you were watching two veteran coaches go back and forth and play a game of chess, and it made for a very entertaining game of football. You know, it was it was everything you want. It was a good team. I mean, I, I came away from that, and I still think this. You know, unpopular opinion alert. Uh, I think I think Davis is a, should be a playoff team. I think they should get, absolutely get that large bid. And the big sky should have three teams in the playoff. Um, they're a good team. They're a well-coached team. And that game was a lot of fun to watch because the quality of play was was off the charts. Yeah, definitely a, a really good game. And, you know, Jay Hill had some some praise for Dan Hawkins uh, and uh, Bobby Houck this week in the post-game presser, noting that uh, the Big Sky Conference is a well-coached conference. And uh, dropped those two names, you know, Dan Hawkins first at UC Davis 
Bobby Halk up at Montana. So, uh, Jay Hill, I think would agree with you. Well coached is a, is, is a good phrase for the UC Davis Aggies. So, AC, what about you? Best game in this shortened season here in the spring in your eyes? Best game to me was the first game of the season, and that's because it set the tone for everything that followed. Heading up to Pocatello against the Bengals in Holt Arena. And, I mean, first drive, you come out and Bronson Barron's starting. Like, what? What is happening here? But I'll tell you what, that was a good game, a lot of points, a lot of offense, and it was fun to watch. 49-21 was the final result. And if you remember correctly, there was like, I think it was a 55-yard flea flicker to David Ames that ended up as a touchdown. That was just, that was a fun game. And there were a lot of big running plays in that game as well. Uh, some good defense for about the first 55 minutes or so. So it was just, it, to me, it felt like that game had a little bit of everything and it really set the tone for where this Wildcat team would, would end up going throughout the season and getting another conference championship. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you, AC. I think that that was the best game of the season uh, because we didn't know what we had quite yet. You know, we had a lot of new pieces on the team, especially, you know, the offensive side of the ball was a big question mark. And to come out and put up that that number of points in Holt Arena on the Idaho State Bengals, uh, that was a fun one for sure. So now, guys, I want to go back to individual awards, and I want to talk about who your offensive player of the year is. So, Sean Lewis, uh, who, who do you think is the offensive player of the year? This one's going to be a little bit weird. A lot of people are going to go uh, with uh, with uh, a couple other guys, but I think Dante McMillan, we talked about him as a newcomer year from my fellow panelists, uh, 49 carries, 308 yards. Uh, here's the stat that stands out to me. Uh, led the team in touchdowns, but only lost two yards rushing, was only tackled for a loss for two total yards on the entire season. To me, uh, he filled in great. Uh, we've already talked about him. He's great. He is my offensive MVP uh, for his, the the. The yards, he's only 80 yards behind Josh Davis, so they split split the yardage pretty much even, as it turns out. But five touchdowns, give it to Dante McMillan. All right. Definitely very clutch and a big, a big impact when he had the opportunity. Dustin Chapman, what about you? Who's your offensive player of the year? Yeah, my offensive player of the year might also be a little bit of a surprise, but I'm going to go with T-Mac, uh, Ty McPherson. Uh, led the team in receiving yards. Uh, that catch last week, the, the last Saturday that he had against ISU was spectacular. I mean, credit to Bronson Barron for for putting the ball on an absolute dime. But the team that came down with it, and it, it's been fun watching him because we heard a lot in the offseason, you know, kind of rumblings that people were impressed by him, that he'd improved a lot. And we saw that on the field this year. He was absolutely amazing, uh, had the most yards, had, you know, average 23 yards a catch, had – you know, the long in reception, a 60-yard TD reception. T-Mac was, was great this year and, and, and really did our receiving core well. Yeah. T-Mac had some definitely big plays. It was a part of the hook and ladder uh, play that Sean mentioned earlier. T-Mac was the one that caught the pass and then ended up passing it off to Noah Tagi. So, uh, yeah, T-Mac has definitely had a big impact this year. Uh, caught some really big passes, really clutch passes. So, uh, AC, what about you? Offensive player of the year. Mine should not be a surprise. It's Josh Davis, All-American, Captain Josh Davis. 
this guy also fellow Alta Hawk, I might say, but Josh is just so important to this team. Everything he does is, is seemingly based around Josh Davis. He led the team in rushing yards again. He's a captain of this stable of running backs, impressive stable of running backs. And he didn't have as much glory this year as he has in years past, only the one rushing touchdown. But I'll tell you what, this guy between the 20s, he just went to work every single game except for this last Idaho State game when he was out but for five games that guy he was the lead horse and I'll I'll tell you he he showed up every single time he touched the ball he showed up and he went to work he's not the biggest guy out on the field but his vision is so good he's able to make that one cut and just pop out into space and create extra yardage out of nowhere it seems like Josh Davis for me offensive player of the year very good at getting into the second level right uh, all right, guys, let's wrap this one up with the other side of the ball now. Let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year. Sean Lewis, quickly tell me, who do you think is your Defensive Player of the Year? My guy, Connor Mortensen, we talked about him for other awards, led the team in tackles, led the team in tackles for a loss, led the team in QB hurries. What else can you say? The guy was everywhere. Dave Baggett said his name more times than anybody else. The guy was all over the field. Connor Mortensen, my defensive MVP, easy choice. Yep, definitely an easy choice. Like AC noted earlier, the captain. Uh, leading this team, going from preferred walk-on to now a leader uh, on the defense, which is vaunted at Weber State. Chappie, what about you? Who's your defensive player of the year? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Preston Smith. Led the team in interceptions. Uh, same thing. You know, Sean said Connor Mortensen. They, they were calling his name over the loudspeaker every game. If it wasn't Connor Mortensen, it felt like it was Preston Smith <laughs> that, they were playing, that they were saying. Uh, but he was all over the field, too. Highlights just how good our defensive backfield is. They to me, were the staple of the defense this year. They were very strong, not to say that our line wasn't. They were as well, but our defensive backfield was just monsters. They shut down a lot of good quarterbacks and a lot of good receivers this year. Uh, Preston Smith was a massive part of that. Yeah. Uh, Quarterback play has been very good this year in the big sky, and so definitely a tip of the hat to that secondary. AC, what about you? Defensive player of the year? I'm going back to that secondary. I'm going with Eddie Heckard. I'll tell you what, this guy is a stud. He just shut down the number one receiver on every single team this year. Shut him down. And it's not like in the NFL you see these guys out on on an island and they're just out there the entire game playing one side of the field. No, Eddie travels. He's playing the outside. He's playing in the slot as well, playing nickelback. He's going wherever the number one receiver is going, and he shut these dudes down. It seemed like every single game Weber State was holding the opposing quarterback to under 50 percent completion rate which is that's unheard of and eddie heckard was a huge reason he didn't get all the picks he didn't get a ton of of the defensive glory stats but that's because they can't throw over there because eddie heckard is sticking to his guy like glue so eddie heckard is a huge reason why weber state was able to shut down the opposition's passing attack this year and he's my defense player of the year yeah like you said uh you know they know that eddie's over there and so it's not necessarily that he's getting he's not getting a lot of picks they just don't dare to throw over there because they know he's he's lurking uh i i just want to throw one last one in guys before we move on to the seg- uh, the third segment here i want to give a shout out to desmond williams uh you know desmond williams had such a great season uh, unfortunately it looks like he got hurt uh in that last game uh, you know had that hit coming out of the backfield immediately had to walk out and uh and went straight up to the table, and they had to put some ice on it. But, man, Desmond Williams had some really clutch, big plays this year, and I just wanted to make sure that we shouted that man out. Just Turn the only, only guy Desmond to get recover a fumble. Yep. Yeah, he did do that. He had uh, two two fumble recoveries this year. Only yeah, guy on so the team. 
just a shout out to Desmond Williams. I think he's just such a phenomenal player. I wanted to give him some credit. All right, fellas, now we're going to move on to a segment that we're calling Color Rush. We're going to be talking about uniforms. And so we had a poll, like we noted at the top of the show, on our Instagram feed this week. It was in our stories. Uh, We were asking about what folks thought about uh, certain uniform combinations and which they thought was the best. And so I'm going to give our panel the opportunity to kind of give their take on what they thought were the best uni combos this year. And so I'm going to reverse our order from the last segment. I'm going to go with AC first. AC, give us your thoughts. Who do you think or what combination do you think was the best uniform combo this year? I really liked two different combos. Right. I I think there was really only one combo I didn't like, and that was in the opener against Idaho State, where it was it was purple helmet, white jersey, white pants. That was probably the one I liked the least. But the two I liked the most, you're looking at one right there with Josh Davis wearing the 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 purple lid with the go W, the purple jersey with the white pants. Or that that to me, that's perfection. Right mm-hmm. there, you're looking at it. It's it's color. It's bright purple. Is it's a fairly unique color. It's not not something. It's not blue or red like you see in a ton of other schools. But purple, that's just kind of Weber State's thing. And so that uniform right there with Josh Davis to me is perfection. The other uniform I really like is the blackout getup. I love this year's blackout getup. It's so smooth. It's because they changed the helmet, so it's a it's not the chrome finish on the helmet. It's just white, right? So it's a white stripe that you see there, a white Wildcat logo on the helmet. And then on the uniforms, the letters are not the silver letters that we've seen in years past. Mm-hmm. They're white block bold letters and the numbers too just pop out at you and these uniforms to me are a massive upgrade over what we've seen in the black uniforms in years past i love this get up and i know that the players love this get up because all the players following us on instagram and this is the uniform the the all black black helmet black jersey black pants that's what ran away with this poll as everybody's favorite uniform. So I love this uniform. And quick shout out to our guy Robert Casey for these pictures because they're they're just amazing pictures, amazing work from him capturing these uniforms for us. But those two uniforms right there are my favorite. The purple, purple, white are my absolute favorite though. Yeah, we'll make sure to post some of these on Instagram for you folks. You'll have an opportunity to see a little bit about what we're talking about. But uh, I think you're right. Uh, I do like the black. Uh, I think, Chappie, it was you that noted in a previous episode, I think it was right after the Davis game, how bright that white was on the chest. And on there's a, there's a wildcat that goes down the leg. Uh, I think that you noted that, Chappie, how, how good that was. Oh, the, the white is whatever they did to get the brightness of the white to be more white it, it stuck out remember getting there and sitting down and in the stadium and looking down at the field and the the white almost looked like it like had electricity flowing through or something like it it popped it popped out and made the uniforms look just absolutely phenomenal yeah especially on a day that was a little bit gray so uh dustin javin now it's your opportunity tell us what you think were the best unis from this last season yeah my favorite uniform combination this year uh, I, I like the all purple look. Now, I will say I'll give it a kind of a precursor. Anything with the flying W is the go W is is needed and wanted. We need more of that <laughs> as much as we can. Uh, but I love the the all purple uniform. A lot of it because of what it represented. When we played at GU, I loved the look of those two teams 
one and all purple, one and all red. I loved the, the quote unquote color rush look that was going on there. Um, 100%, this was, that was my favorite, most, my favorite aesthetic game <laughs> to watch on TV. Uh, but another thing I will note here, I do love the blackout uh, uniforms as well. I, I actually liked our look last week where it was black top with white bottom uh, against Idaho State. That was a good look. Um, my suggestion would be if we're going to have a home playoff game and, and you kind of, you, you heard us mention it, heard me mention our interview, I would like to see us go for the playoff game, black top, black bottom, and then go with a purple flying W helmet. Give it a little bit of contrast, not go with the black helmet, but go with the purple helmet. In my opinion, that would look very sweet. All right. Uh, I definitely have to tend to agree with you there, Chappie. I did enjoy that purple, all purple look. And it, it might have been just because, you know, SUU was in all red and we were out there in all purple and it just kind of, you know, it was a nice day and everybody was wearing bright colors. Uh, that just seemed to really pop to me. But now we're going to go to Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis, what's your favorite uniform combination from this last season? That sound you heard was a bunch of people turning off the podcast because we're talking about laundry. That's a joke, folks. That's uh, <laughs> I, We really should have Paul Lucas. I read UD Watch blog every day. It's a go-to site for me. Paul Lucas is the, the godfather of the uniform beat. Um, and I'm going to tell you, with apologies to Mike Love and Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, I, I'm going to modify this. Be true to your school colors. Black for black's sake. The kids like it, but black is not a school color. We are purple and white. Are the lids that we had, AC had it right, the purple lid, the purple jersey, the white pants. College football is tradition. It's 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 I, I'm showing my age here, but but we look good when you wear a purple jersey and a contrasting color pant. You wear a white jersey on the road with purple pants. That's the look that it should be always. I I don't like all the different uni combinations. I'm old, but uh, and the black is fine. The the white did pop more this year, but uh, be true to your school colors. Wear more purple, and the the Go W should never have been retired as a logo. Bring it back, Weaver State. The fans want it. The teams want it. All the team gear has the flying W or the Go W on it. Sell it to the people. It's what we want. Get rid of the Tom and Jerry logo. Let's go back to the the Go W in time for the new foot, uh, turf to be installed next year. That's a nice hat, Sean. It, it has a particular W on it, if you notice. <laughs> I'd, I'd like one of those. I do not have one, and I would, I would love a hat that had such a logo on it. I, I believe I got this one from the Wildcat store, but that would mentioning that would go against our sponsor, Wildcat Rack. Uh, they're good friends over there, the Wildcat store. Uh, but yeah, I have to agree with you there, Sean. Uh, the school song is purple and white, uh, so be true to your school colors. Um, I do love the, the flying W logo as, as we've noted here many times, it's a, it's a classic. I don't hate the Tom and Jerry logo. I think the, the wildcat looks fine, but yeah, I definitely have to agree with here. It's a uh, flying W man. Give the people what they want. So I, I got to come back to something Chappie said though. So Chappie, you're telling me that on a playoff game with the eyes of the nation, looking at Weber state, trying to figure out who this wildcat team is, you're saying you'd want us to be wearing, you'd, you'd want the wildcats to be wearing black rather than purple is that what you're telling me I, th I think i think the team likes the black if that if that helps if that gives them any time of type of mental edge i I'm, I'm all for that i think it looks awesome I, I i love the black look um but i will say i mean i i can't disagree that that purple and purple top white bottom look is nice it's got the the wildcat on the pant and the with the flying w on the helmet it's a sweet look too hi if we went with that i wouldn't be disappointed but yeah i'm i'm all for I'm all for doing blackout. 
Mm. Well, fellas, like we noted, uh, like AC noted, the overwhelming, overwhelmingly popular option in our Instagram poll was the all black uni. So maybe we'll be seeing more of that, but people seem to really love it. Uh, but it sounds like the panel is more uh, more leaning towards purple. So, the winner uh, of the Twitter poll, however, I'll note real quick, was the purple out against SEU. Purple helmet, purple jersey, purple pants. That was the winner of the Twitter poll. The winner of the Instagram poll, which is predominantly student athletes and students, was the uh, the the black outlook. Mm. Well, I'm 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 more of a Twitter guy, and so uh, it sounds like my peeps are right where they should be on Twitter. But uh, let's move on, fellas, and let's wrap this one up. We're going to go to the calendar for this week. Uh, upcoming games and events, uh, Friday, April 16th. It's going to be a lot of softball, folks. Uh, the softball team will be hosting Northern Colorado up at Wildcat Field, right uh, just north of the D. So we're going to be taking on Northern Colorado at 2 p.m. That game will be on Pluto TV, or you can drive up there and check out the softball team in person. Then there will be another game at 4 p.m. also on Pluto TV, or check it out in person on Friday. Saturday, they'll have a third game. Uh, this game will be at noon, also on Pluto TV, or uh, check it out right at the stadium. Uh, it's, a, it's a good opportunity. Weather's supposed to be good, so go up and check out this, this Wildcat softball team, which is currently undefeated in conference play. And then finally, Tuesday, April 20th, the University of Utah is coming up to Ogden and will be facing the Utes at Wildcat Field. So 4 p.m., that's on Pluto TV or Make your way up to the stadium and check it out. It's going to be a good time, and um, go Wildcats. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show like we usually do. We have a couple of email addresses you can send us ideas and messages to. You can check out WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com or info at WeberStateWeekly.com. We manage either of those accounts. So feel free to send your thoughts, ideas, uh, whatever you want. Go ahead and email us there. As we noted at the top of the show, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. or if you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. If you uh, join us, uh, commit to $15 a month to support Weber State Weekly and our work here. Uh, you'll be able to find yourself in the Slack channel for game days where we have a robust conversation. We talk about tailgating. We talk about the game as it's happening. All kinds of good stuff on our Slack channel, but that's only available through our Patreon account. So patreon.com. have some recruiting articles coming out, and you'll get early access to those, hopefully getting one out this week. Yeah, so... A lot of opportunity there if you're interested in checking it out. And like AC noted, we do have some content coming up. So WeberStateWeekly.com is a great place for our blog. Go there and check it out. See some of the content that we've been producing this week. Uh, we've got an NCAA match coming up on Wednesday with the women's volleyball team. They'll be taking on Bowling Green in Omaha in the NCAA tournament in the first round. So probably something to be said about that coming soon. And uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show like we usually do, folks. Uh, appreciate everybody for taking the time to support us. Um, always grateful for you listening to Weber State Weekly. And we'll say it like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. <laughs> Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez.